frankly, I don't understand why anybody wants to watch films or television programs on their phone. Uh, it's too small, and uh, it's just a weird thing to do as far as I'm concerned. It's bad enough on the TV, and we have apparently a now obsolete size of TV, despite the fact I think it's huge. Anyway, I'm waffling, I'm back. Welcome to episode 20 of Mr. Bert Pods. Well, that was an exciting start. Um, I'm back. We're holiday finished on Saturday. Um, it was all a bit strange, to be honest, going away. It was very strange going away because having spent the last, what, March to mid-August going absolutely nowhere other than an hour to two hour walk in the region of my home plus shopping trips on Fridays and a couple of adventures out to meet friends. Um, Been nowhere, and then suddenly I found myself in Wales. Uh, And on the coast of Wales, which has got these sort of epic um, landscapes of cliffs and sea as far as you can see, and um, all sorts of things. So uh, it was a bit surreal, to be honest. The first... Uh, on the way down, we met, we hired a car, had a bit of an incident in a Tenby car park. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Hired a car and um, stopped off with friends from my college days. Uh, and then she gave us an itinerary because she knows the area that we were staying in, which is basically the Welsh coast. We were sort of two-thirds down the West Wales coast as opposed to the East Wales coast, which doesn't exist. Um, And we went down towards St. David's from where we were and up towards Aberystwyth, where I went to college. Um, And we went inland a bit as well. So she gave us a list of things to do, which otherwise we would not have probably done. And that was lovely. Um, And then we... Oh, do you know, just it's typical, isn't it? As soon as I start doing this, they start drilling outside. There's been a, there's a big skips thing. They've been replastering a house at the end of our road, but on the, on the road at the end of our road. And, um, silence all day. It's all, the work's basically finished. I don't know what they're doing. And then as soon as I sit down to do my podcast, the drilling starts. Very tiresome. Anyway, so, um, we then met her halfway because she was further away in South Wales. <clears throat> and we met her at Alarm, which if anybody watched Keeping Faith on the television, uh, that's where Faith's house was. But I got into a bit of palaver because I knew where the house was uh, from the TV programme in my head. But when I looked, uh, the house wasn't there. So it was all a bit of a weird until I worked out that they obviously had filmed it in a house's garden. So when Faith and family were sitting in the garden with the castle in the background, that was in Larn, but obviously when the camera went round to the house and they were in the house, it was filmed somewhere completely different. I know it's not 
one of the most important things in the world to worry about that it did concern me for quite some time when we got there. Anyway, that sorted out. Larn is out as beautiful as it looks on, on Keeping Faith. I've been there before. So it's this huge, great castle, which we couldn't go in. Well, we could go into hardly anywhere we went. Um, <clears throat> on an estuary, which is very large. And further down, if you walk further down, you get to uh, a white sort of cottage, which was Dullan Thomas's um, boathouse where he lived. I think he died there. Sorry, a couple of cars going past. Um, Dylan Thomas is everywhere you go in the region. Uh, he drank in every pub in West Wales. Most of those pubs were probably or reputedly his favourite drinking places. Um, and he wrote under Milkwood in every single village in the area of West Wales as well. You'll tend to find this to be the case. Um, so the Wales, the Welsh, the Wales, the Welsh are very proud. I, I love Wales. I have nothing against Wales or Welsh at all. I went to university in Aberystwyth, so I was in a Welsh-speaking community for three years and spent a lot of holidays with my mum and dad in Wales when I was younger, so I'm very comfortable in Wales. I like it a lot. Um, so if I'm going on about the Welsh in a critical way, it is only teasing because I sort of know the country. Um, then, yeah, so that that's uh, we couldn't go into the boat house because... Uh, everything was closed, but uh, it is utterly beautiful there. And everywhere we went was absolutely beautiful. The coastlines were absolutely amazing. And um, we had a very nice flat. Uh, I'll call it a flat. It was basically a farmhouse which the owners had extended out uh, two stories so to the side. So there was a sort of a large garage, very large garage. I seem to have an awful lot of cars. Um, and the sort of utility room next to it, and then we were in the, the bit above it. The downside of it was that they'd built it slanted roofs, so the windows were all like skylights, which was fine. They were and they were big enough to window and uh, open and stick your head out. But the kitchen had slow, sloping ceiling over it, so I spent two weeks slamming my head against. Uh, the ceiling, uh, especially first thing in the morning when I'm not fully awake. So um, that was the only downside. It was a very, it was a lovely flat. It was bigger than I thought it was going to be, and there was plenty of room for us. Um, the weather wasn't great. Uh, we weren't in. For those of you who heard, we were in Storm Helen at the beginning. We weren't in Storm Helen. Uh, then there never was a Storm Helen anywhere in the world. I don't know where that came from. We were in Storm Francis, which came over from Ireland and was very, very dramatic. So the first few days, we were pretty much trapped at home um, with 70-mile-per-hour uh, gales and lashing rain. So basically very similar to our French holidays. And, um, and then we looked over fields, which was nice, and a sort of a shed, the outer building, in which lived 11 dogs. So uh, there was... Four corkies, three Labrador, no, three Spaniels, two Labradors, a Dachshund, a flat coated retriever, and I think that's it, so that's 11. So the Dachshund, who was heavily pregnant, 
and one of the retired corgis lived in the house so they were like family pets and the other dogs all lived in their outhouse so they were let out once or twice a day amazingly well behaved they were so full of energy in life but um i just thought they'd all when they get out they'd just run for miles but they tended to stay around where they were kept uh, although i did take up carry on my catch to 5k i think i've done I've done the program, I think I've done about 4k, I think I can run about 4 kilometres in half an hour now, which is sort of the aim to run for half an hour non-stop. Um, so there was an upper field which the, the man, the owner said it was fine for me to run around uh, and that was a bit tricky because the grass was quite long and um, not ideal. And on the last day <clears throat> the flat hair driver decided to join me on my run and of course if you're running uh, a dog thinks that's the most exciting thing in the world so they jump all over you, they leap up to your face, they bound around you, they run between your legs. Um, they, he had an absolutely, no, it was a she actually, she had a marvellous time uh, as I was trying to uh, smile and look as if I was at one with the canine world. And then two of the corgis who were very short and the grass was quite long, they suddenly appeared from nowhere because obviously they were lower than the length of grass. And then they bounded around me for another five minutes um, before they all tootled off back to their home. But it was lovely, it was actually. They were so gorgeous, all the dogs, and so full of life, um, and just really healthy and happy. It wasn't a puppy dog. Uh, really healthy and happy, and it was just a real pleasure seeing them every day. And the Welsh have got spaniels everywhere we went, we saw spaniels. Um, never seen so many spaniels. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we went to lots of places and uh, travelled a bit around the countryside. The weather wasn't great, but it was all right. It just got very dramatic skies, which you may or may not have seen on my Instagram, anyone who has access to it. Um, so we went to Larn, and we went up to Aberystwyth, which was all a bit sad. I'm never sure whether you should go back to places that you um, have an association with a long t from a long time ago. And... Um, well, first of all, I had complete panic because I decided that the beach was a pebble beach and when we got there, it was a sand beach. So I sort of thought my mind was going until we walked around the corner and realised that the beach I tended to go to, which was near where I lived, was in fact a pebble beach. So that was a bit of a worry. I had another major implosion, mental implosion, because I couldn't recognise any of the streets. Um, and it's a really small town uh, until I got into the area of the drama department uh, and the flat I used to live and the pub I was first very drunk in and um, everything came flooding back. I even found the flat, the building we used to, oh god that, honestly I think back now, the flat we lived in and I say we because I met a friend of mine who lived, I think she lived in the room below me and I was the sad boy who was in the room above her, uh, I wasn't sad. And um, the wall, it was the end of terrace, and the end of terrace wall basically faced the sea. Yeah, there were some more buildings in front of it, but basically faced the sea at the end of the road. And it was so cold in those rooms. We had a meter, what was the meter? It must have been electricity that you put 50p's in. And you probably put about 150p in every 30 seconds, it seemed like. I don't think that gave any heat out. And we literally, and I am not joking, used to get undressed and then get dressed again to go to bed and put coats on top of 
duvet. I've never been so cold. I've never been so cold in all my life as I was in that flat. It was just awful. I also remember um, my friend got a dog. We will draw a veil over that. But I remember the dog sniffing a socket and the socket sparked. Um, and I also remember being woken up in the middle of the night by someone shouting fire. Uh, and that was my friend. Yes, that was a friend from my original hall of residence. Um, because the girl in the front room had <laughs> she had decided to plug her, to unscrew, I don't even know how she did this, take the bulb out, unscrew the bulb out of the uh, light in the middle of the room, the ceiling light, and somehow plug her electric blanket into the bulb socket from the, from the, I mean, I'm talking about the pendant light hanging in the middle of the ceiling, and then go out for the night. I think she, I don't think she came home. And of course it caught fire. So, well, I mean, the house didn't burn down or anything, it was fine, but um, I had to go and ring 999 actually, and that's the first time. And I was, uh, yeah, the first time I've ever done anything like that, it's quite horrifying. And called the uh, fire brigade. Uh, running around in garbage, just wearing my pyjamas and bare feet, I think. Probably got my slippers on. And of course it was freezing. So that was basically a death trap. <laughs> don't know why I'm laughing. It's not funny at all. That was a death trap I lived in for a year. Um, and it still looked awful. It still looked like there was about, you know, overcrowded accommodation. I'm sure it was. So that was all quite interesting. Um, but they've done that thing in the town. I've just built a load of supermarkets just outside the town centre and the whole town centre's gone dead. Which is just really sad. So that it all looked a bit run down, actually. There was a bit, you know, a bit mixed feelings about going back there. And there's a beautiful building called the Old College, which I didn't realise was originally at the, the campus at Everest is fairly new. It's up on the hill above the town. We didn't go up there. But the original college was in this beautiful building, which I didn't know had been built as a hotel, but reminds me slightly of the Natural History Museum. A lot smaller, but that's a very decorative Victorian look. And it was a lovely building, and they've really let it go. Um, although apparently they're pan putting a lot of money into restoring it, but that was a little bit sad. Um, uh, we went to the National Woolen Museum, which was very interesting, and that had been that was open for the first time since lockdown on the day we went. So it's, it was a bit, it was it was tricky. There was a lot of people around. I mean, it's seaside, and people go to the seaside almost no matter the weather. I mean, there was people swimming in you know, swimming trunks and bikinis in weather where I was wearing about four layers of clothing. I'm, I'm not joking. Um, and people will sit on the beach. Come hell or high water, they will sit on that beach uh, in their chairs and their windbreakers uh, because they're at the seaside, even if it's, you know, 10 degrees. I think it's very British. I don't. I can't imagine anywhere else in the world doing what we do when it comes to the seaside. Um, so it was busy, but you know, people were outside, and that's fine. But I just felt so sorry for the small businesses. I mean, these areas absolutely, these little villages and towns at the seaside of you know on the sea coast of Wales are uh, survived on tourism and with COVID. Um, I don't know. I I just think it's going to be a turning point for them. I don't know what's going to happen. 
Um, when we had our first meal in a restaurant, um, which was lovely, it was by a small estuary, and um, it was in a sort of indoor bit where they'd taken, it was sort of, I think it was a winter place, uh, sort of an outdoor winter cabin. They'd taken the big windows down, which may have been plastic or something, so basically we're sort of, in and out. it was like an outside room in effect. And that was, and the food was great, and that all felt safe. And, you know, they were so careful everywhere we went. They really, really put the two-metre thing into into play and, you know, hand gel. Everything was really, really careful. And although COVID's very low in that part of Wales, and I think it's one of the lowest areas in the country, of course, you've got so many people coming in from the outside, like we were, who could be bringing uh, the virus with them. So it's, it is very strange. Um, it just hit me, you know, hit me, go to, hit me, Going to the Woolen Museum, you know, museums are not open. We went to a National Trust place. We could only go around the garden. Uh, you know, you couldn't go into any of the castles. Um, St. David's Cathedral had just opened, but that was just opened on short hours and sort of had a one, everywhere had one way systems. And people were fully masked. People took, some places took, you know, an address and, and what have you. So it was sort of getting away from COVID and not getting away from COVID. It was getting out of the four walls you know, not literal four walls, but, you know, the rooms of this flat, to uh, have a holiday and be in this amazing uh, landscape, but, you know, never really being allowed to forget that COVID was there. Um, it was odd. I, I have to say, we had an absolutely fantastic time, and I'm deeply, deeply grateful because I didn't realise how much I needed to get away. I thought because I hadn't been working that um, I didn't need a holiday, but I did need a holiday. I needed a mental break, and um, <clears throat> I I got very sad about my mum, and I cried. For, I think for the first time since she died, we were at some waterfalls or some yeah, there were sort of rapid waterfalls, which was were beautiful. And I've got no association with my mother, <laughs> my mother and rapids, but uh, for some reason I got I just suddenly started missing her, um, and I think it's partly because mum and dad. Uh, we never went abroad. They always went for holidays in this country. And uh, we've been going abroad, to, mostly to France, but other places for years and years. And, you know, they would almost worry the whole time about us getting there, being there, coming back again. I'd always phone before we left, phone when I got there, phone them when we got back, send postcards. Um, and, you know, mum would never really, mum wasn't very good and she'd most pass this on to me. Uh, understanding why anybody wanted to do anything she didn't want to do so she never understood why anybody wanted to go abroad and um but if i'd and you know was no good at imagining places she'd never been to but if we'd been to this country you know we'd have been if they'd been to some of the places we visited you know i'd have had a full conversation with them about you know what we'd seen what we'd done and everything so i suppose there was a sort of sadness in the first time since they died the first holiday after they died was was ironically the holiday that we went you know, we had in this country, again, because of COVID, otherwise we would have gone back to France. Um, so that was a bit strange. And I, no, it wasn't strange at all. I think I got some mental space and I started, you know, the grief, uh, got some space in, in me, which was a good thing. And I heard mum's voice again in my head, which was lovely because mum went deaf years before she died and just stopped speaking. And I hadn't heard my mum's voice for a long, long time. And I, um, I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten what her voice sounded like, it'd been so long, and I suddenly started hearing her voice again in my head, so um, I think the grieving is 
probably coming along quite healthily now, which is a bit of an odd thing to say, but um, I think it's all right. But I am, I, I, I don't know how I am. I still don't know how I am. You know, mum died in March. It feels like she died years ago, but it was March. The theatre's closed. I lost my job. We went into lockdown. Uh, I'm now in a rocking chair making a podcast. Uh, who knows? Anyway, so that's that. So it was a lovely holiday. Um, and uh, I quite like another one now. But uh, I've got some writing plans. I've decided I've got to be more structured. I, mean, I've, I haven't got any money coming in now because the pittance of uh, furlough that I had has now stopped thanks to Marvellous ATG, who was stopping the furlough a month before the rest of the world. And um, I think I've got to, you know, even if I'm not like, bringing any money in, I've got to start doing, you know, doing some stuff now. So I've started some writing, I've given myself some deadlines, um, uh, and that's all good. So we'll see how that goes. And I've signed up for a couple of courses. So uh, first one's starting tonight. So that's all quite exciting. So I've got to get on. I've got a very busy day today, very busy day. Um, in fact, I haven't really got time to be sitting around making podcasts. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I'm just watching the builders. Uh, lots of things might have gone past the window as I was uh, talking, but I didn't notice any of them because I was lost in remembering the holiday, which is probably a good thing. Okay, well, things back to normal. I'm back in the window, I'm back in the rocking chair, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening.